Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast. Let's face it, with like 2 million podcasts out there on Apple and Spotify and Stitcher, etc., you have a lot of choices, and I appreciate everyone who listens to this show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And today, we're going to have a very interesting conversation. I have no idea where this one's going to go, but I'm kind of excited. So a couple of weeks ago, I was the master of ceremonies for the San Diego Angel Conference. And this was one of those events where startups come looking for angel funding. It started long before I got involved with about 125 companies that applied. They narrowed it down to 60. They narrowed it down to 30. Then they narrowed it down to seven companies who all came and competed for a cash prize of some angel funding. But the reality was all seven companies were winners, all of them were great ideas, and all of them were making waves in their respective industries. So I've invited those companies to come and be on the show. And today we have the co-founders of Hemperus Hygienics. Now, Hemperus Hygienics makes hemp-based feminine products. That's right, they make tampons, pads, and liners, and their goal is to empower women and help the environment. So, I don't think on any of the podcasts that I host, I have ever had a conversation about tampons and pads, but here we go, because we have Hallie Briscoe, McKenna Avery, and Marilyn Austin all on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. That was an amazing introduction. (laughs) So so I've got my seatbelt fastened because I don't know where we're going to go, but why don't you guys tell me why hemp-based tampons, pads, and liners? Where did the idea for the company go, uh, come from, and uh, how, how do the regular ones out there impact the environment negatively? Yeah, um, I can start maybe talking about what the problem is with the traditional products, and then um, my other co-founders can start talking about why we use hemp. But the current products on the industry normally, it's rayon or cotton or blends of the two. And um, despite what many, you know, women think when they go to the store, there's a lot of greenwashing involved. So uh, overall products are very resource intensive in terms of pesticides use. Cotton is the number one contributor of worldwide water use, um, even just how long it takes to actually process and um grow these types of fibers. And then in the actual products application, there's tons of synthetic materials and chemicals used. Just look at the ingredients list of any femme hygiene. You won't even be able to read the ingredients. Um, And then lastly, hemp is just incredibly sustainable. So hemp has, you know, one fourth the carbon footprint of cotton. And when we kind of break that down, uses five times less water, three times less land, no pesticides or herbicides. It grows twice as fast. Um, it's just a pretty incredible fiber. And up to December of 2018, it was illegal in the United States, which is why we don't see it in these types of commercial applications. Um, and we wanted to fix that. But Hallie, do you want to talk a little bit about why hemp and how we started? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so we actually started, it was a marketing class at Oregon State University. And the big project was that we had to create some sort of product out of hemp and we had to come up with a marketing plan for it. And so um, we took the leap and did what was seemingly awkward to other people in our class. And we chose to do feminine hygiene products. Um, and we didn't actually get the chance to make these products, but we did win the marketing pitch competition out of 63 teams there. And because of that, we got invited into a few different incubators within Oregon State University. One was called the Advantage Accelerator, and the other was just Launch Academy within um, the university. And once we were doing that, they said that now you can kind of take a leap and the farm bill had passed so you can try to actually create this product and make it into a company. And um, we looked into it and we were researching hemp and we started to see all of these great qualities that hemp fiber had um, with the natural fibers being 100% biodegradable, um, antimicrobial. We started to consider things like toxic shock syndrome and maybe with an antimicrobial fiber, this wouldn't even be a thing. And so with the the benefits towards women and the benefits towards the environment, we saw a pretty dominant raw fiber that could really change the feminine hygiene industry. And so um, went through that incubator and started making connections, networking, and started the company from there. So are you uh, all out of college now or are you still in? That was only a couple years ago. So we're, we're in the early stages still of this of this whole company from, from inception to where we are now. Yeah, so I actually finished my um, MBA program last June and then um, Kenna just finished up college last June and Marilyn finished two years ago. Nice. And, and where are you all located? What city are you growing this company in? I'm in Chicago <laughs> right now, but we're in little separate places. They're both in Texas, but we're hoping really soon, wherever it may be, that we're all together so that all our brains can kind of collide and where, really get this off the ground. Where in Texas are the two of you who are in Texas? So just to give you, I guess, I'm in Austin and Hallie is in Dallas. And it kind of started because... Hallie and I met at Oregon State, started the company. I moved down to San Diego for work, and I met Kenna, and Kenna joined the company. Um, We've been working together for over two years now, Um, and then just with how life went, um, Kenna was living in San Diego for college, graduated. Hallie went back to Dallas after she got her MBA, and then I recently moved actually out to Austin a few months ago. Great. I don't know if you know this, but I live in Austin, so we're neighbors. Oh, amazing. Yay. (laughs) So was entrepreneurship always on all of your minds, like back when you were younger? Um, It definitely was for me. I wanted to go into social entrepreneurship. So I actually did my honors college thesis as a nonprofit business plan for care centers in Ghana, Africa. Um, But I was kind of thinking more of go the route of set up nonprofits, do maybe missionary work and things like that. I definitely never anticipated starting a corporation, um, but being able to do that and have the social benefit piece be such a huge part of it has been really incredible. Yeah. And for me, I definitely, I agree. I was um, pretty adamant on going the entrepreneurship route. And that's actually how I met Hallie is because I was in entrepreneurship club at Oregon state with an idea for actually an app. Um, And then I learned about Hempress and thought, Oh my gosh, no, I should do that instead Um, so I'm glad it worked out. And then Kenna. And I always, I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was (laughs) for probably longer than I should admit. And then I thought I was going to the environmental policy route and this entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship and 
specifically is just way more, it's faster and it's more, you're in more control of kind of the impact that you can make. So I've really grown to adore it and I'm so happy to be part of this whole sector. And McKenna, where did you go to college? San Diego State. So University. I thought we talked about that. That's which is where I went to college. So there you go. That's uh, this is this was this interview was meant to be. One of you lives in Austin. <laughs> one of you went to my alma mater. So so this is awesome. So all right. So you you came up with this idea. You've all met each other. You're all sort of co-founders. You're growing the company. You're trying to figure out where we're going to land. You're out looking for funding. What has been the hardest part of launching a company? that has a product that is as complex as the product that you have, because obviously there has to be, I imagine, uh, you know, trials involved and, and things like that. What are, what are the stumbling blocks that you found in developing these products? Yeah. I mean, I think I'll start. Um, when I started, when we started this company, I thought, Oh, how hard can it be? We just <laughs> need some fiber. We're making some products. I thought this is a great this is a great company to start at this age. Um, very quickly realized I was wrong. Number one, the feminine hygiene industry has a ton of barriers to entry, not just with, you know, having to get FDA approval and all the regulations, but also with, there's only a few large players and they dominate the entire market. Um, and that being said, there's only a few manufacturers and they're all, you know, closed lips because they're, you know, have these partnerships. So that was difficult, but I'd say the main barrier is hemp. Um, like I said, it was only legalized two years ago and we've been in coronavirus for over a year of that time. So there's no infrastructure here in the United States. Um, even trying to find hemp supply took us over a year to be used in the application that we need. And then the second part of that is actually convincing manufacturers and labs to work with us being that they've never worked with hemp before and it's considered a risk. Um, luckily though, due to our own, you know, R and D of two years, we were able to prove performance, prove, prove efficacy, really showcase our products and how great they are. And so we haven't luckily had that issue anymore, but it took a long time for us to prove ourselves. So here's where I'm going to prove that I am a naive middle-aged man. And that is, do you have to have FDA approval for these types of products? Yeah, so um, we do need FDA approval for the tampons because it does go inside of the body, but you don't technically need FDA approval for pads and liners. So those will be able to come to market faster than the tampons will, but the tampons we have to go through the whole Q-sub process and then um, file a 510K, um, which you know takes some time, and we have to have all of those tests back up, run a, a full risk analysis on all of it, and... Um, the most difficult part in this sector is that hemp is the differentiating factor between other companies that have made tampons in the past. So we not only have to head and prove our new product, but we have to prove the new fiber that we're using and run a whole toxicology report that we give to them to show them that this is safe and that's healthy and it's actually um, really good for women's bodies and the environment. Interesting. So, so we talked about some of the stumbling blocks along the way. What has been the best part of building, you know, the early stages of this company? What, what's been like surprisingly wow? Well, for me, it's, I think all of us, it's just been like the knowing that we'll be able to make a difference with kind of the organizations that we're going to work with, with how we're revolutionizing feminine hygiene in general 
it's like Marilyn mentioned before um, the podcast, how there's this big gap between traditional products and reusables. We want to be that bridge. And I think just knowing it's right around the corner and enjoying the process and the journey that goes along with it. It's really inspiring to know that, okay, in a few years we'll be able to support these organizations we've always looked up to in a way that will allow them to make even more of like an impact on the world. So the thing I think that's been really rewarding for me as well is um, just to see kind of, the the interest you know it's been really like validating for us to for women and organizations to be super excited about our product and already like customers for us um and then piggybacking and then on top of that is just the fact that there's so much potential and i think that's what makes me so excited is um the road is there's really no limit to what we can do with this Right. Yeah. And I think the most exciting part for me has been that, you know, there is such a huge social mission behind this, not just with trying to give women a healthier product for their bodies, but we also want to give a percentage of our funds to women in third world countries who don't have access to these products. We want to help end that stigma um, surrounding the menstrual cycle. And so this is all really big for us. And we know that that's further down the line, but when we first got the prototypes in the mail and pulled them out, it was like, okay, we can actually make this happen. We have physical prototypes in our hands right now. So I think that was kind of the moment where I was like, yay, we did it. (laughs) We're close. (laughs) So so let's touch on that because I'm, I'm aware of this, but not a lot of people are that in some third world countries, they, number one, they don't have access to these products. And number two, that means they're not going to school. They're not going to work. There's a lot of, and there's a lot of stigma around that. So mm-hmm. number one, if you can explain that a little bit to somebody who might be another middle-aged guy who didn't know that. And then number two, uh, what are some ways that you can change that? Yeah. Um, so in a lot of countries, um, like we just mentioned, there is a stigma surrounding the menstrual cycle that it is gross or that it is something to be ashamed of. And, Um, I know from personal experience, when I actually did have a chance to go over to Ghana, Africa, the girls will lock themselves in their room for their whole period. Um, And they are super embarrassed. They don't go to school. Um, If they're old enough, they don't go to work. And so it's hurting women. It's hurting their ability to get jobs. It's hurting their ability to learn um, and to have that equality um, like men do. And so um, for us, something that we want to do is we want to make our products available to them and we want them to be healthy for these women and we want them to be healthy for the environment so that we're not going over to a country and giving them our products and saying, here, use this. And now we're hurting your environment. We're actually going over and we're giving them products that then they can dispose of and it's healthy for the environment. It's healthy for them. And then they can also go through their lives and actually never have to take off for work and never have to not go to school Um, And then, you know, there's, of course, the education piece around this, too. We do want to educate those communities that this is a very natural thing. Our bodies are made to do this, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually something to celebrate as women that uh, this is part of us, and we should uh, appreciate that, and we should take care of ourselves, and it shouldn't be something that's stigmatized so much that we make ourselves unhealthy because of it. So that's kind of our goal surrounding that. And I have some numbers, too, that we've highlighted before. We went to the Women's March and wanted to, like, spread more information about this topic. And it's as we were digging, it 
we kept becoming more apparent how big of a problem this is. And we're learning that one in five girls worldwide miss school due to lack of hygiene products and 500 million women and girls lack adequate facilities for menstrual hygiene management. And just those two stats alone just can give a bigger picture or a slight picture into the global problem that we have concerning this, even though the menstrual cycle has been part of all of humankind and we need it. So it's, it's definitely interesting with that. So this is an absolutely fascinating conversation and I just love the way you're, you're making waves, you're shaking things up, you're trying to do something different. So I've got more questions for you, but before we get, before we get there, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like the co-founders of Hempress Hygienics. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, is, is if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So I love the fact that the three of you are so enthusiastic. You are so knowledgeable about your marketplace. Has there been any weird pushback around the fact that your product is hemp? Because while it was made legal two years ago, that was only two years ago. And there are still people, even though cannabis is becoming very uh, legalized around the country, there are still people who push back, don't understand the difference between marijuana and hemp. Do you find there are people who are like, what? Honestly, no. Um, so just to touch on hemp for a second, hemp has been around, obviously, forever. The Declaration of Independence was written on hemp paper, which is why it's still around, because it's incredibly durable. The first Levi jeans were made of hemp. Um, the Chinese, China and other countries in Europe, it's never been illegal. So it's very much um, part of their industry and they're a lot more, you know, used to it and able to commercialize it where we obviously haven't been. So um, hemp was actually made illegal back, not to get too much into the history, but back um, in like the 1800s because it was competing with the cotton industry. So it wasn't due to any, you know, actual concern for safety or being associated with marijuana. It's a completely different plant. Um, bringing it to 2021, when we talk to women, there's hemp is so, I would say, normalized now. There's hemp milk, hemp seed oil, hemp's all the body lotions that you see, um, hemp seeds in your food. It's just become so normalized. People are not necessarily scared off, but they're actually excited because, for the most part, especially being that we started in Oregon and then we were in California. And now that I'm here in Austin, it's our market is very um, open and interested in this product. I will say in this, in like the small percentages of people who do, you know, question or it's just so new to them. Some of the first things that come out of their mouth is like, so do I get high off of them? And it's just, it's because it's like, okay, there's that correlation for sure. And, I think definitely as this plant progresses through the, through our American culture, it's going to be, everyone will know the difference between like CBD, THC, just normal textile hemp. And 
we've already been seeing the the growth in that knowledge base. And to answer that question, you can't get high, by the way. That's fiber. That's fiber. (laughs) Yeah, I think... Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I think um, I, cause I've, I've lived in, you know, some more um, conservative air, er- more conservative areas. And I do get a lot more questions than I got in Oregon or um, being in places like California. But um, mainly it's just the misconception that, um, that it's a drug, you know, or that it has CBD in it. So once I am able to explain, you know, no, this is industrial hemp, like it's the fiber. We're not using the CBD. We're just using the raw fibers and that's it. Um, that's all they need is the explanation of what it actually is. And then they're really comfortable with the product and they think it's a great idea. So I think even if there is the misconception, I've never had pushback of, uh, once it's been explained. Well, I will tell you, I knew some of what you said, but I did not know that the declaration of independence was written on hemp paper. So, uh, you know, that, that to me was kind of a cool little fact that came out of this. See, I started this whole podcast so that I could learn things. I now know that, but I also knew that it wasn't the same as cannabis. So I knew that as well. So, um, so now that you've been entrepreneurs for a couple of years and that that you've, you've been doing this, what advice do you have for other young people, maybe for other young women or young men who are like, I want to start my own thing. I'm only, you know, 22, 24, whatever you guys are. Someone who wants to go into that world of entrepreneurship a lot of people think, well, no, I probably should follow the regular path and go to work for a company. What's your advice for people? Well, I would say the thing that's helped me the most is finding like these girls. It's just, I don't think I would, I know I wouldn't have been able to do this alone just with um, our strengths and how we bring our, um, you know, our strengths together and they feel my weaknesses and we all the collaboration aspect just really empowers each other. And aside from finding people who, you know, have the same values and all that also keep in mind that motivation of, okay, if I didn't go this route, maybe I'd be stuck in, you know, those jobs where you get two weeks maximum to do the things that you work all year to have those two weeks. And it just, I, now I can't imagine a life of of that. And I totally appreciate the people who do that and, everything. But if there is a chance, especially when you're young and don't have as many, um, you know, things that you need to be responsible for family mortgage, it's like, might as well be really risky. Yeah. And I think, um, I think they will agree something we've learned and maybe you can tell by us starting with feminine hygiene products is you kind of have to trust your, your judgment at times, because I think something we're constantly, and as any entrepreneur has to face is, um, a lot of advice from a lot of people solicited or otherwise. And as appreciated as it is, I think a lot of times we have to, um, make decisions as a team based on how we feel and what we know about our market and what we know about our products, not what somebody on the outside might, you know, assume. So I think that's just my advice would be to listen, you know, go with your gut, go with your instinct. And if you truly, you know, do your research and do the work to have the basis of knowledge, then that's probably better than somebody on the outside, you know? 
Yeah, definitely. I think my advice kind of goes off of that. You do have to, you know, be willing to put in the work, be willing to do the research and um, kind of build some validation in yourself so that when you do come and talk to these people, you know what you're talking about and you're prepared to speak to these things. But also with that being said, I think we've all um, had to be just so willing to learn from others. And I think the three of us are pretty, you know, headstrong. Like we really believe in our abilities and our talents and stuff, but we've had to take a few steps back and um, listen to the advice from others, even when we don't necessarily want to hear it. Um, And, you know, with that, we've also had to pivot some. You have to be able to adapt. It's not always going to go your way. Um, But having that adaptability, that flexibility, and that willingness to learn has really um, helped us succeed so far. So, you know, you're all very young. And so one of the things we talk about on this podcast a lot that comes up in advice is mentorship and finding mentors. Have you guys found mentors along the way who've helped you through this process? Definitely. So I think we all found them differently as well. But like some of the ones we found has been through San Diego State through the Zon Innovation Platform. They just have, you know, they connect you to these domain experts and just advisors in general. And you really get a chance to see who you connect with and see who is really helping you grow. And then in the industry itself, like the people we work with who have been exposed to certain like similar concepts or just like fiber in general has uh, like filled any knowledge gap that we have. And I definitely believe in that whole mentorship and advising, whether it's, it's like more personal because entrepreneurship is definitely a personal component of your life, but also business, how to get to that end goal and how to make a product. You kind of mentioned about like different ways to get advisors. I just wanted to say, you know, how she was mentioning definitely business um, through our business, you know, through starting the business, we've met many people through the programs we've been in, which we haven't been shy. We do, you know, any program up to this point we've tried to be involved in. And then just even cold emailing, like find somebody on LinkedIn or find somebody that you have some type of connection with and not in a, you know, don't be too annoying, but kind of blow them up and make sure they know that you want to talk to them and you're persistent and they actually normally will get back to you, even the people you don't think would. So um, I think that's been really fun too, is to meet new people. So what's next for Hempress Hygienics? Are you still looking for funding? Are you looking for investors? What, what, where, where do you stand now and what do you need to be able to take your company to the next level? So, um, yeah, we are planning, we're scaling up right now. So we're planning to launch later this year um, with our pads and liners and then with our tampons once they're FDA approved after that. Um, we're scaling up basically now and getting ready through that process in terms of fundraising. Um, we're doing that still, but internally and have already kind of figured out how that's going to work and have everything solidified. So, um, yeah, really just trying to get to our commercial products and get in sales. So if we look forward five years from now, somebody finds this through a Google search because they're like, Oh my gosh, this is like the greatest company ever for feminine hygiene products. And these three, you know, you've won Entrepreneur of the Year Award from Ernst & Young or something like that. What do you want people to say about the journey you went on? Well, I would, first of all, that's so going to happen in five years. That's you for <laughs> <By> the way. <laughs> it's going to happen. And the journey, I think what's been interesting is Marilyn told me about how sometimes 
even when she's feeling super low about just the obstacles we come into, maybe she'll record it just because in a few years we'll be able to log that story and show what we started with, like in the very beginning, making our own prototypes and like sewing things together. And it didn't even look like a product. And then now we're to the point of a final prototype that works and it's beautiful and it's the first of its kind. And it just, it's really exciting to see what a huge jump you can make in a short amount of time. And I'd want someone looking back five years from now to just admire that we never stop believing in ourselves. And I, that sounds like a movie, a Disney movie. To say <laughs> me, so excuse me, but it is like, you always just kind of have to have that fuel of, Hey, if I never doubt myself, it's, it has to happen. Like there's no way it can't if I never ever like have a lapse in, in energy and in effort. Yeah. yeah, And I think uh, like when I look back or, or what I want people to see from this journey um, is that we had a goal to help people, to help the environment. We had a mission that's surrounding being good for the world. And a lot of times, you know, people think that corporations are actually what's hurting the world. And really like we're here and all our goal is, is to help. And so I think if people want to look at this journey, I want them to see that yeah, it was hard. And yeah, we didn't know a lot in the beginning, but we've stuck to the same vision the whole time of we want to help women, we want to help the environment. And I want people to see that you can be helpful and you can change the world and you can do that through all of um, these things and through building a corporation. Yes. And passion really can drive you. Like, I know I'm not the smartest person in the world. Like, like that's a given, but that passion that's all. I, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. So I loved. I loved your your take that you know it was like a Disney movie, and I was thinking, I wonder what the Disney movie about tampons, liners, and pads would actually be about. But <laughs> that's a great about helping women in third world countries. That's what I think. <laughs> that is that is awesome. So, any last words for the listeners of the show? Anything you want them to know that we didn't cover? I mean, I think just a little like Hempress shout out. Um, we're Hempress Hygienics on. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, every social you can think of. We Our website is just hempresshygienics.com. We are planning to launch later this year. If you want to check out our website and subscribe to our newsletter, that would be amazing. And um, kind of like we've been talking about, we're just really out here to make a positive impact and have our products make a difference. So, well, and go ahead. Hashtag all hail the female. That's <laughs> our saying. So, Keep that in mind as well. <laughs> all, all hail the female. Awesome. Yes. As the, all hail the female. As, as, as a, a father of two daughters, I agree. Yes. <laughs> so Marilyn Austin, McKenna Avery, and Hallie Briscoe, thank you so much for being guests here on Making Waves at Sea Level. It's been such a pleasure to do this interview. Uh, I, I I wish I was as cool and as as driven when I was in my early 20s as the three of you are right now. It's been a lot of fun to watch you, and I can't wait till someday I can say I knew them when, so uh, when they were just starting. So that is so awesome. Thank you for being here, and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single episode, if it wasn't for the audience, why would I do the podcast? We are almost 650 episodes, six and a half years into this show that was originally called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I started the show so that I could have access to really smart people doing cool things so that I could learn. And along the way, thousands and thousands of other people have come along and listened to every episode. So if you like this show, 
there are 640 something episodes behind it. Go back and listen to the catalog. Also do me a favor, tell a friend, because when I talk to people and I say, how did you find my little podcast? Number one answer, it isn't they found it through search. It's that their friend told them about it. Their boss told them about it. One of their investors told them to listen. They found the show because someone talked about it. So if you like the show, go out and talk about it in person, which I know seems so weird, but we can do that again in Texas anyway. We can talk to people. We can talk to other humans in person. Some places you're still locked down, but in Austin, it's like we forgot that there was a pandemic, but uh, I've been vaccinated, so it's cool. Um, but no, tell a friend or put it on social media. Hashtag making waves. You can find us uh, at cool podcast is actually the name on Twitter. You can find me everywhere at Tom Singer. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool who is making waves like these three young women. And I know you're thinking, Tom, how will you ever find anyone as cool as these three? Well, we'll do it. We do it every single week, twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. But in the meantime, go out there, make your own waves, flex your entrepreneurial muscles, and put your career ladder against the correct wall. Don't spend a lifetime climbing your career ladder only to find out it's in the wrong place. That sucks. I know, because 10 years ago, I, 12 years ago, I found I was in the wrong place. But you know what? You can always move your career ladder. And while you're out there doing all this stuff, have some fun along the way. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.